4 March 2012. Dear Kuya J, I decided I want to be an astronaut when I grow up. We learned about the planets today in science class, and I wish I could see them for myself. Even though most everyone wants to visit Saturn because of its rings, I would fly to Jupiter. Did you know it has a storm that is thousands of kilometers in diameter and has been going on for hundreds of years? If I could go into the middle without being killed, I think that would be so beautiful to see. And if I got bored, I could go to one of its many moons. Teacher said one of them has water, and where there is water, there will be Filipinos. Hi, and welcome to Sacred Reading at Brandon High School. I am Miss Huff. We are reading the Patron Saints of Nothing. This is episode four. I love this book. I love the things it lets me talk about. With me today is... I'm Mrs. Boer, and I'm excited to be here with you guys. All right, so this book keeps hitting me, and this time I have a Havrutha question. So that's the first time this season we've done Havrutha. It is a Jewish practice about questioning the text. Uh, it is typically done with the Jewish sacred text before a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. You are given a copy of the text, uh, and you're given a partner, and you're told to study it together. And they say that when you have a question about the text, the answer is not with like your study master or religious leader that's in the room. The answers are between the two of you because it's supposed to be a living document. So you're supposed to have a question and then you have to guess an answer mm -hmm. because it's about what you make of the text. And then your partner has to kind of guess an answer. And they say that the answer is between you. So between the two of you, you're supposed to make sense of this. And I really love the idea that even really old texts are made fresh and new because it's about what meaning you have. And it's not about what an author intended. This is a sacred text, part of our culture, and what we make of it is what's important. I am using Havrutha with a lot of what's going on in this section. And I want to point to a couple spots. I want to first look at page 62. It's a letter that Jay rereads from June. Please, ma'am, the woman said, and then coughed a few times. My nene kept walking. Everyone in my family kept walking. Everyone around us kept walking, as if this woman were a ghost, as if she did not exist. Except for me, Kuya. I stopped and look at, looked at the woman's face. Her eyes were yellow. Her cheeks were hollow. Her teeth were crooked and incomplete. She held out her baby to me. Please, she said again. I reached to take the child, but then a hand clamped my arm and dragged me away, away from the woman, past the security guard, through the open glass doors and into the mall. In a flash, the woman was gone, replaced by the bright lights and bright smells of a thousand stores. And then later, he says that he talks to his sister about it. And he says he cannot stop thinking about the woman and her baby. I told Grace this later, but she said there was nothing I can do. I am too young to take care of a child. She also said there are probably millions of children that need to be taken care of, and even if I was old enough, I could not take care of them all. Even though she is young, I know she is right, and that makes me feel like my chest is hollow. And he says, but it seems to me that there are so many older than us who are able to take care of those in need. If everyone did a little bit, then everyone would be okay, I think. Instead, most people do nothing, and that is the problem. Then on page 76 and 77, Jay is in Manila at a stoplight and a woman comes up to him. 
they're in the car and his aunt says that it's tinted dark enough that no one can seize him. But Jay says, I think of June and all of his letters I left unanswered and all of his words that mourned how people ignored those in need. And so he takes a few American dollars out of his wallet and Grace discreetly presses a few Filipino pesos into my hand. I roll down the window and hand the money to the girl who thanks me with a straight face and mumbles, Salamat po, thank you, sir, and then quickly moves away. I roll the window up and a small glow is in my chest. Things are much cheaper here than in the US, so even though it was just a few dollars, it should last her a long time. And his aunt says, I know you mean well, but you should not have done that. Why, I ask. A moment later, two boys, just as young and dirty and hungry and as looking as the girl, approach and start knocking on the glass with their knuckles. Their knocking is more insistent, their pleas are more demanding. They're like ants, Tita Ami explains. You will never get rid of them all. I reach for my wallet again. Traffic finally starts moving and the boys jog alongside the vehicle, but we leave them behind before I can take out any money. I give Grace a pleading look, but she just shrugs and goes back to her book. Tita Ami says, you cannot give money to everyone who asks for it while you are here. There are so many poor in this country. If you gave even just a peso to each one, you would be poor yourself before long. I want to tell my aunt that she's wrong, but I remember what my mom said about how I can't truly understand what it's like to live here. So my question is this, we're given these two opposing views and I wanna talk about what's right, but I also wanna talk about what this says about society. June likes Grace's advice and Grace is willing to give some, but she also shrugs others. But June and Jay and Grace are all of a younger generation than the adults. And they all want to help in some way or feel bad about not helping. And they all want to see the problem in some way. But the adults, Tita Ami, before his uncle as well, June's father pulled him away. And then to some extent, maybe even Jay's parents in the States who say, you don't know what this is like and you can't judge people yet, maybe. They all seem less likely to help. And that worries me because it worries me that it says that as we grow up, we lose some of our humanity. It worries me that it says that maybe adults are more callous, that we get more used to this and think that we can't solve the problems anymore and that maybe those who are younger still think they can solve the problems of the world. But I don't want to be the one who says, great kids, go solve the problem and just absolves myself of it either. And part of me thinks that what June says is right. If we all gave a little, we could solve the problems. But I, and I'm encouraged by things like when you look on the internet and there's like a GoFundMe or somebody who's selling Girl Scout cookies to raise money for cancer and all over the internet, like thousands of people buy the boxes and the girl has more money than she ever thought she would to donate to cancer research. And that's amazing. And that's everybody doing a little bit and it helps a lot. But I also think there are people who should help a lot. There are plenty of stories of like, the fact that if we wanted to solve homelessness and, and poverty in the U.S., they say it would take like $400 million, which is an astronomical amount of money. But Jeff Bezos could solve that and still be one of the richest men in the world. Right. 
how much money does one person need? I mean, if I had a million dollars a year, I don't know that I could spend a million. I mean, I'm sure I'd love to try, but if I could spend a million dollars a year, I could do a lot of good with that money. I, I could teach a lot of kids a lot of things, get them to read a lot of cool books. I could make really cool interactive lessons and um, take them really fun places. And I would love to to have unlimited, I would love to have unlimited money for my classroom. <laughs> Even if I didn't, if I didn't get any personal money, if like, no, Mrs. Bohr doesn't get any money, but Mrs. Bohr, here's a card that you can use on anything related to your classroom and just go wild. Like what an amazing thing that would be. And I'm not even talking about addressing like the homelessness or like addressing those, po- those issues, but if everyone helped a little bit more, if we, if we put a little bit more money towards our school systems and if we little, put a little bit more money towards helping people and gave everyone health insurance and like actual health insurance where if you wanted to go to a doctor, you could just go to a doctor. That would be an amazing thing. I, I have health insurance and I'm still struggling to be able to go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's a struggle. I think a lot about what we could all be doing more to help people and how the people who have more should do more to help that privilege with privilege comes a responsibility to help others. Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) And I have always felt that, you know, that if you have more then you should give more, you should build a bigger table rather than a higher fence. I love that. And then I also feel a little bit guilty because some years when I'm shopping around the holidays, I pay the extra money at Publix and buy the gift box for, for the needy. And some years I don't. And I buy shirts from any kid who the first one to ask me because it'll help the sports team. But I don't always stop and give money to the people who set outside Publix and sell stuff or wherever, you know, the the charity events that I see. I do have enough in my life that I could order out and go out to eat a couple times a week and still be fine. And I don't need to eat out a couple times a week. And we don't. So I do have some disposable income and I don't know that I use enough of it to give to others. Well, I also have a different list of priorities than I had when I was younger. When I was younger, as in these stories we're reading about these kids who are like, oh, you know, I want to give the money. Well, now I have a priority, and that is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I might not choose to either spend money today, whether that's money spending money on myself or giving it away to someone else, so that I can save it up to be able to spend it on her mm-hmm. tomorrow or in the future. And every decision that I make is now tied to her in some way because I have a priority and I can't go saving everyone else's children because I'm now more focused on saving my own. That makes sense to me. I feel that. I do that (laughs) as a mom. As a mom. Yeah. And so my world has shifted dramatically in the last two years since I had my daughter that my priority is now no longer myself. And it's no longer a decision of my, my money is mine because my money is mine, but it's also my daughter's. That's her future too. So perhaps I should also still be a little more generous to Tita Ami because it's possible that some of, 
some of the reasons she doesn't give might be because of Grace and Angel. Yeah. It, it might be like the way you keep enough money to have tomorrow is by not giving it all away today. That, yes, I might have an extra dollar in my pocket right now, but if I hand it out, then tomorrow when I need something, I might not have a dollar anymore. And there's uh, that protection. And, and in some ways, I've become more selfish since becoming a parent because now I am more desperate to hold on to what I have. So perhaps I need, like, the money to run my life, <laughs> a contingency fund, mm-hmm. and then a giving fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I should look at budgeting and, you know, the dry, non-fun part of this, but, like, sit down and make a budget and look and see what I have to save and what I have to give and look at, look at projects that I could give and where I could do that to make the most difference. I remember reading about um, setting up, like teaching budgeting to, to children. And I remember that in the, the scenario that I was told, it was like you had um, like a piggy bank, but one was a, a bank where you would keep your savings. Mm-hmm. One was maybe your house where you would have like your day-to-day spending. And then the third one was a church mm-hmm. or a, a giving fund. So when you got money in, the idea was for you to put it in all three places. For you to have some for spending, have some for savings, but also some for giving and having that as part of your budget as well. And I've heard that described as the 80-10-10 rule. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw that very recently in a financial literacy thing for students Mm -hmm. looking at with stimulus checks and everything Mm -hmm. coming in, there's there's a lot of financial advice going around too. Yeah. And they say that 80% on what you need right now, 10% to save for the future, and 10% for giving is doable. So maybe I need to find where I'm going to give to. Yeah, and I, I've definitely been more focused for myself on the savings and the mm-hmm. my, my budget and not thinking about the giving aspect as being part of my budget. That like the the 80 10 10 like i'm i'm working on the savings for myself <laughs> the 80 and the 10 and the 80 and the 10 but the other 10% is also just sort of part of my but like i haven't been putting that towards someone else and so something to think about so i'm critical of people in the news who don't give mm-hmm. but maybe i also need to be a little critical of myself right like we are we are more blessed than many people yeah. i know that Throughout this pandemic, I've been so very blessed and lucky that I haven't lost work. I haven't lost revenue, income, neither yeah. has my husband. We, neither of us saw a reduction in hours. Or, in fact, we're doing better because of all the stimulus money. Yeah. Like, we got the stimulus, and I'm thankful for it. It's yeah. been helpful. Yeah, my husband and I did decide not really to give to charity, but at least to try to spend money like locally. We also talked about the local aspect about if we're purchasing mm-hmm. something, like maybe we could purchase from a local company rather than a, a big box store or whatever. We had our trees trimmed oh. by like a local service. Nice. We think we're going to get our house repainted again by a local guy. You know, we're trying to like find people uh-huh. in the neighborhood that need help and yeah. we're looking at maybe putting in a sprinkler system, redoing our yard so that we're going to make the home values in our neighborhood better for our neighbors, make our house better for us, mm-hmm. and hopefully give some money to, you know, for, mm-hmm. for a service to people who yeah. could use the work. So, you know, there's, there's, there's that. Ways. But 
I wanted I want to find a way to do more. I always used to just buy for here. Well, that was the thing is I figured I just bought for my classroom or my, the library. Or, right. <laughs> I would buy I would spend my personal money to make my classroom better, which was really helping others. Yeah. But I don't know that it's enough. Yeah. Maybe else. Okay. So I am going to use June as an example okay. and see if I can go give at least a little bit of money somewhere this week. I think that's a great idea. I can do the same. Thanks for talking with me about this. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the book. If you want to suggest places that are good for giving in the chat, I'll open that up this week and let us know. Hopefully we can find some good places to, to give and help those around us. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Thank you so much and have a great week.